This is the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel, taking a bite-sized look at some of the big Liverpool FC talking points. Hello, this is the Agenda from Blood Red. I am Dan Austin. This is Christian Walsh. We are from Liverpool.com and we're here today to talk about Christian. A uh, very unexpected story that broke last night. The uh, scrap between Raheem Sterling and Joe Gomez on international duty. It's uh, He's clearly not taken another defeat at Anfield very well, has he, Raheem? No, he's taken one for the team in terms of the, the news cycle because, you know, you, you, you Liverpool have beaten Man City 3-1 and you're thinking, OK, everyone's really happy about Guardiola losing his head a little bit, but, you know, it's England now. England you see nothing really is gonna is gonna get written about, nothing really to talk about. We'll just forget about football for the next two weeks. And then he just basically starts a fight with Joe Gomez in the England canteen. I've never it's funny because people are saying, you know, oh, it's getting blown out of proportion. This is one of England's best players, has essentially been internally disciplined and suspended because for trying to batter another England player. A batter another England player. <laughs> Because ultimately, he wound him up a little bit in the game 24 mm-hmm. hours previously. I can't remember anything like this. Imagine if this was Spain and Ramos did this to PK. You'd be absolutely salivating. You you wouldn't be able to believe this. You'd be going, I want to see footage of this and all sorts. It's, uh, it's, it's really interesting. It's an interesting reaction from Sterling. It's interesting, obviously, from our perspective, because Joe Gomez is one of those involved. It sounds by, you know, all the accounts that you that you read and what you hear that, you know, Joe Gomez has, has acted very admirably and, and sort of hasn't hasn't gone near him. Um, despite, I've got this force in my mind of Sterling being a little bit like Scrappy too, you know, let me at him, let me at him. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 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 one of those because Sterling's cultivated this this and and you know, with good reason, this um Persona and, and he is he's a very thoughtful young man. He, he stands up for things that 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 are, that are important in society, um, and this shouldn't you know tar that. But you know it's just sort of this completely goes against that a little bit. It's sort of everyone thought he'd grown up and he was mature, and it's clearly just got to him a little bit that Liverpool beat them three one, and, and Joe Gomez got in his face, and it, it's a rem- it's a remarkable instant basically it's the kind of thing that in theory can happen to anyone isn't it is that you get you get annoyed with someone that you work with and you maybe take it out a little bit in the office but the the extent to which this has happened and the public eye that it's in just makes it a, a, a massive story doesn't it and it really goes to show how in general how much Liverpool are, are in Manchester City's heads because you talked about the Guardiola thing before um, I, I wrote 800 words on the, the freeze frame of it last night um, the, the, the gift from going mad at Mike Dean on the touchline that coupled with the Sterling thing just shows you how these are. So that's probably that's Manchester City's manager, probably the best manager in the world, the one that's most used to success, most used to challenging for things, and Manchester City's best player in my opinion as well. Um, certainly considering the fact that the Kevin De Bruyne basically missed the season last season, he's been City's number one man in terms of goal scoring and everything for a while. And they just can't hack it. They can't hack what Liverpool are doing to them. They can't hack actually coming to Anfield and playing footy. They just can't mentally do it. Um, it's 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 really odd because like even Everton, Everton can't play at Anfield, but even Everton by and large restrain themselves and, and by and large manage to get through it in a psychological sense. City the other day, it felt like if it, it felt like a culmination. This whole thing, it, it felt like they really need to take stock and look after themselves in a sense and stop thinking about Liverpool so much but every week that Liverpool continue to win 
it's just going to happen more and more and more. I mean, with the greatest respect, you say the Everton thing, with the greatest respect to Everton, there's a disparity there between the two squads. You know, Liverpool, Liverpool is, yeah. generally beat Everton at Anfield because they have the best of squads and that's, that, you know, that, that, that is a fact, you know, certainly in recent years. Um, with Man City, it's not that, you know, you could argue Man City have the best as well. You could argue, I think Man City have got the best of squads. The, be, the, the, the best, best team. squad in the world yeah. and the most expensively assembled yes. squad of all time as well. It's very important to point out. So I think this is twofold, this, you know, what you talk about in terms of City's reaction with Liverpool and not being able to handle it. Number one is the fact that over the past two seasons, Manchester City have got 198 points, yep. uh, 198 last season. They've won two Premier Leagues and I think probably in the back of their minds, they thought that this season they've strengthened again. They bought Rodri. They probably thought that Liverpool haven't strengthened and, and ultimately they would not be able to replicate what they've done. And lo and behold, 12 games in, it's actually Man City who've fallen by the wayside slightly. Mm -hmm. And it's Liverpool who are the team who are looking like they could go on and, and win 100 points. You know, it's very early doors to say that, but I think that's playing on their minds. I think they probably felt like that was probably the hardest challenge they could have ever possibly imagined last season. And all of a sudden, the frustrating, they're not even frustrating the title race. They're, they're currently trying to cling on to one, which is just a remarkable place to be in. I think secondly is that Pep Guardiola, and you know I don't say this in a, in a bad way about him, but he's the biggest control freak in football. He absolutely is meticulous in everything that he does. He, the way you can see the way his team plays, the way they always score that goal where they cut it back to the byline and, and, and slots it in from six yards. Everyone has a, 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 an instruction to the letter with Pep Guardiola. Jürgen Klopp completely and utterly muddles that. He can't play against the chaos of, of, of Jurgen Klopp. Mm. It, it, it is control versus chaos. The thing about Liverpool now is that it's control chaos. And that's where Liverpool have evolved. Man City haven't really been able to bring that chaos into their control. And therefore, when Guardiola comes up against Liverpool and when they're players, they're so used to playing against teams who will give them the opportunity to, to carry out their plan and carry out their instructions to a T. When they come up against the side that disrupts that, and Liverpool do it more than any other team that we, we've seen in world football, they, they can't they, they can't handle it. You know, to a lesser degree, it happened against Tottenham in the Champions League last season as well in the quarter final. And this is why they're struggling with VAR because it's something completely out of their control. Mm. So basically, they go to Anfield every season now, and they can't control the way Guardiola wants them to control and, and it, it doesn't just eat away at him for those 90 minutes but it's clearly starting to eat away at him and the club over the course of a season because they know that this is actually going to impact upon their chances of making it three league titles on the on the bounce If we talk about disruption as well in terms of Manchester City and Anfield it's important to, to note Sterling in particular because he is one of the best players in world football now he was brilliant when he played at Liverpool he's gone up so many levels since he went there he can finish now he scores plenty of goals he lays on loads for the likes of Aguero and Jesus he's a brilliant all-round player that will go on to, to be even better than he is right now but when he turns up at Anfield it's 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 a totally different story. It's 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 like he can't kick a football. He's played at Anfield now six times for Manchester City since he left Liverpool and has never had a shot on target for a lad whose game is increasingly about scoring goals or at least being in the position to force a goalkeeper into, into making a really, really good save. Part of the reason I think that, that it ends up being Gomez that he takes his anger out on is that that is... That is a teammate. So it, in a sense, in, in an international sense, so he's already been sort of 
well marshaled for 85 minutes by Trent Alexander-Arnold in that position, who's a lad that he knows really quite well because he goes and meets up with him once a month to play footy and whatever else. And now Joe Gomez comes on and does the same thing. The psychology of that is is probably a bit different to it just being a stranger, isn't it? Because if it's a stranger, you just sort of push them off and get on with it. But when it's someone that you know and like and you feel affronted by them, that's got a different effect in your mind, hasn't it? And I think that might actually be a big part of why when he comes and plays against Liverpool because in a sense he knows us all he knows he knows the corridors he knows the club the, the fans that are sat in the main stands are the same ones that used to cheer him and then ended up booing him is, the, is there a sort of familiarity breeds breeds contempt thing with him when he comes to Manfield where it's it's a lot of it's in his head because he's very much got the talent to score a goal against Liverpool but he's never even once come close it, Absolutely you, you're spot on and you go through the, the years of what he's done at Anfield and it, it's almost incredible when you, you look at how a player of his talent can, can do so little. You have his first ever appearance at Anfield in a Manchester City shirt, and that was the 2015-16 uh, season, and it's John Flanagan who classes him straight away, and you know the crowd absolutely love it. You've got uh, a, a situation whereby I think he gets taken off um, in the 2016-17 season uh, when Van Alden scores 1-0. In the in the in the three 0 in the Champions League and the four three, you know he he doesn't really you know have much of an impact at all. There's been occasions where he's hauled off early, and 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 you know it's it's almost been a little bit embarrassing for him because because you know this is a player who cost them fifty million pounds, and he should have the 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 fortitude, the mental toughness, and the basically the the, the ability. To, to completely drown out those boos and, and to play his own game. I don't think I've ever seen a player who has been disrupted so naturally by the reaction of a crowd. You think about when Steven Gerrard would, would go to Goodison Park and he'd thrive off it. Yeah. It would almost be a, a you know a, a, a cloak of invincibility to him. He'd absolutely love it. Whereas you know Raheem Sterling, you go down the years from 2015-16 all the way through to, to this game and... It's just a litany of of, of disappointments and, and poor performances. Even last season, you know, he gets taken off at nil nil. Leroy Sane comes on, wins the penalty, which Mares doesn't convert. But even you know, it, it's almost sort of Man City's biggest chance of beating Liverpool came when Raheem Sterling wasn't on yeah. the pitch last season. So this is it's just, I actually thought he he had an okay game on Sunday, but again. We're talking about one of the best players, certainly one of the best players in the Premier League, one of the best players in Europe, having an okay game. And he was up against one of the best right-backs in the world in, in Trent Alexander-Arnold. But it's the agitation, as you say. It's it's that feeling of, even before he squared off against Gomez, it was that feeling he, if, if the referee, Michael Oliver, would blow up and, and, and he'd sort of grimace. He'd, he'd react more than so, a player should react in those circumstances. Someone said to me on the cop at half-time that he thought he was going to get sent off. Just because he looked wound up from the start, it looked like it looked like the 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 occasion of it. I hate using that word because it's such a cliche, but you know what I mean. The sort of the 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 fact that this this game of football is an event, almost a cultural event in this country beyond just being a football match at this stage because it's so important. It felt like that was in his mind from the start, and it, almost if he had the arrogance in his own ability. If he, if he was able to just walk on the pitch and go, I'm boss, you know, and I'm going to show you how boss I am, then I think that would work out more, more for him than him trying to make it this fight. And I see why he's trying to make it a fight, because he's probably he probably is aware of his own record and Anfield in terms of 
obviously City's record on on not winning there since 2003, but also I haven't ever had a good shot here and that kind of thing. He'll be aware of that. And so he I took four shots. He took yeah. four shots. I think, he's, I think shots. he's tried to change it and I think he's tried to play the game with a different attitude. I think he's thought, I'm doing something wrong when I come here, so I need to do something different. I know I'll do this. I'll be aggressive. I'll be feisty, whatever else. So I understand why you do that from a footballer's point of view, but it was just it was just the wrong way to do it. It just didn't work out for him at all. It, it, you can do the more sort of understated arrogance. You can do the, 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 the football and aggression without having to try and look like the hard man essentially which he is then carried into this England thing and it feels like people behind the scenes will have said to him lad you're just making yourself look a fool here. especially after what you said before all of the progress that he's made as a, as a human being more than a footballer since he left Liverpool because at that time his, his, his reputation amongst the Liverpool supporters was awful. He, he needed to leave Liverpool and just go somewhere for the sake of everyone involved. And he's genuinely become one of the most important sort of socio-cultural figures in this country. He's a massively important person, Raheem Sterling. That's, that's, he transcends that's, the sport. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's no understatement. Sport is very, very useful in a political sense. Um, as much as people might try and leave politics out of football, you absolutely can't do that because they're intrinsic to each other. Um, and he's been one of the most forthright about that. It's a little bit similar to Megan Rapino in the United States mm-hmm. about sort of LGBT rights and women's rights and that kind of thing. Sterling is is very very culturally important in this country at this at this moment in time, and it does feel like in trying to change his his on pitch personality for that ninety minutes, he's just made a mistake yeah. and needs to get back to the things that that he actually just does best, which is putting the footy in the net rather than trying to apparently claw at someone if, if, we're, if we're judging by the scratch above the eye that Joe Gomez has apparently got. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll phrase this carefully. Um, you know, Liverpool fans uh, are more than entitled to boom. I think I think it's great that they, they put them off his game in the way that they do. But I, I think it's it's quite hard uh, and I, you know, I say this maybe from a different perspective but I think it's it, it, it's hard to dislike Raheem Sterling. I know what happened in 2015. I know that he, he agitated for a move. A lot of that was his agents at the time. I know he didn't leave in the best terms, but I think you look at what he does and the way he's been treated and ultimately Liverpool fans and Raheem Sterling are kind of fighting the same fight. Exactly. This is like when... It, it's Against it's, the same opponents. In, in, in a different way, it's like when fans of someone like Newcastle United or West Ham turn up at Anfield and sing about poverty. And it's like, we're all on the same side here. We're, we're, we're all people that should be fighting against the same enemy. Why are we making divisions amongst ourselves? I totally agree with you because Liverpool fans were totally understandably angry at him at the time. But he was like, what, a 19-year-old lad that just w- was getting promised by an agent to move to a, a, footy, a footy team that at the time was a million yep. times better than Liverpool, where he would have been on more money, where he would have had much greater chances he's, at he's, success, he's and that's been proven as well. It was, it was absolutely the best move for him. So it does feel like, I, I totally agree, the, the booing works, so yeah. I'm not going to say stop, yeah. um, but it does feel like, like everyone could just sort of calm down a bit but in in the relationship between them, or certainly him, like he doesn't really have to this prove is what anything. I'm getting against, he doesn't is, have to yeah. prove anything against us. This is what I'm getting yeah, at. It's it, because it affects him so much. Mm. Liverpool and rightfully so because yeah, we're going to keep playing on exactly. It. If he just if he just plays his natural game, if he didn't try and start a fight on a pitch, we'll probably just forget about it. We'll probably just be concentrating on us, maybe not defending against them well and, and, and getting riled up by our own defenders or something like that. If you're playing well, it becomes the Torres pantomime booze. You exactly. know what I mean? It becomes that ultimately. You know, Torres was part of a Chelsea team that stopped Liverpool winning the, the Premier League in a very direct way in 2013-14. He, 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 he sets the goal up, yeah. Exactly. He also wins the Champions League with Chelsea and 
you know, the the the, the, the vitriol he faced to Stamford Bridge on that from that away end and his first game for for Chelsea. You know, by the time he leaves and he's coming on as a substitute, you know, it obviously helps that he's a shell and it helps that he's not doing well for Chelsea. But it's completely different to what Sterling is experiencing now. But as you say, it's not. It's not for us. It's, I mean, number one, it's not for us to tell Liverpool fans not to do it anyway. But why but would anybody? Anyway. Why would anybody do? Why would anybody stop doing that when it clearly impacts somebody's game so much? So the onus is almost well, it is on Raheem Sterling now to basically say next time I'm not going to get wound up and I'm, I'll try and actually get a shot on target. <laughs> I'll try and sting the palms of Allison because you know the, the the more this gets to me the the, the more I'm going to get it and it's just, it's and it's a great cycle for Liverpool because it means that it absolutely nullifies one of the the, the most talented players in the world against mm. them imagine if they could have done that against down the years Wayne Rooney and Addy Kane and, and and Cristiano Ronaldo so it's 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 a weapon in the armory um for Liverpool uh it's just that in general it's 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 a bizarre situation uh, but one that you could almost have seen coming. Just one that you never really would have imagined would actually play out. No, if you'd have said that on Friday, you'd have you'd have, you'd have totally eschewed it as a prospect. But when you see the reaction of not just him, but Manchester City as a whole throughout the 90 minutes and afterwards, it, it begins to make that a little bit more sense. And people related to Manchester City. It's not just, you know, it, 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 it stems from everywhere. You've been reading things... About how you know Man City, even going back as as far as it might have been twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen, you know, accusing Liverpool of breaking the buzzer uh, in in the away dressing room, so they they didn't come out onto the pitch on time. Little things like that. There's clearly an issue here between Man- well, from the Manchester City side yeah. to, towards Liverpool. You saw it in reaction with with some with some races at the end of the game as well. It was a it was a bizarre reaction all 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 around. Um, but it's it's good. It's 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 it feels like obviously we're a bit more involved, but it feels like the Man United Arsenal rivalry of 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 the early two late nineties, early two thousands. I'm just it was waiting. very petty, it was very personal at times, wasn't it? The it stuff was, with the pizza I'm, and that. I was, I was about yeah. to say who's, who's throwing the pizza <laughs> at Kevin De Bruyne in the in, in the next game, I don't know. Just loads of slices of pepperoni slipping <laughs> off uh, Guardiola's bald barnet. <laughs> That's all that we've got time for for now. Anyway, there's uh, there's more writing about that on the site. Christian has written a, written a piece this morning. He's also written a piece about the uh, sort of Aubameyang Arsenal meltdown because it feels like so much of the Premier League is in turmoil while we're just winning games of footy and having a lovely time. Uh, there's also a couple of pieces uh, on the Guardiola incidents, I guess you you would call them in a nice way. Um, so do make sure to check Liverpool.com. There's loads of brilliant writing on there. Uh, and we think you should be reading it because it's really good. For now, though, make sure to subscribe to Blood Red. Also, press the notification bell so you don't miss any of the future videos. And have yourself a lovely day. All the best. You've been listening to the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red channel.